0: across the United States of America. They're placing the entirety of discontent and malcontent toward a agenda-driven group. This is our future. As a string of attacks, they say, on electrical substations unfolded in the last couple of months, the Federal Bureau of Investigation warned utility operators of white supremacist plots, they warned. To take down the nation's most powerful power grids and leave hundreds of thousands of people without access to the things that they need for daily life. The report shows a white pickup truck. It had a roof rack, it had lights. It was pulling in quickly to an electrical substation in the small town of Morton, Washington, about 70 miles south of the Seattle area. This happened a couple of months ago. In the pre-dawn dark, as the report claims, Next to the city cemetery, a man who was clad with a black hoodie and a baseball cap quickly got out of his vehicle. He broke down a steel gate. Likely, they say, he used a crowbar because one was later found at the scenes, though they couldn't recover any of the prints. He walked inside the fenced-in facility, he said, they say said, on a way to sabotage high-voltage transformers. They say that these transformers and the plans on how to take them down are widely circulating on neo-Nazi or white supremacist group outlets. Soon, they will say it is also religious extremism. There will be no mention of it being any other uh, parties or outlets. They say electrical substations transform high voltage electricity to lower voltages. This is what we need inside of our homes to keep food cold in our fridge and freezer to keep our lights on and, of course, to keep our medical devices operating. It's the electric that we need to keep our phone lines charged and our Internet accessible. They say substations can be difficult to secure on an industrial level, industry wide. Damaging just one can set off a severe chain of events that they are warning could send our entire country into chaos. Opposing this report that it is just the neo-Nazis or white supremacists, we are seeing groups right now stand up and say, wait a second, can't we say it might be the other guys? They are dividing us among extremist groups. There is no shortage of people who could be claimed as being an extremist. If you like Skittles, you're an an extremist. If you uh, believe in the Church of God, then you are an extremist. You're a Muslim. You're an extremist. You're an atheist. You're an extremist. extremist. They're going to label you one way or the other. Now, the reports that attacks like these are happening with dangerous frequency. There have been 15 reportedly acknowledged attacks in uh, social and mainstream media in a couple of months' time. Recent attacks are a hot spot. The Federal Bureau of Investigations is warning. This is according to a joint investigation by the Oregon Public Broadcasting System, as well as the FBI, local law enforcement, and other outlets. Re- uh, researchers that delve deeply into extremist technology and social media sharing have noted that these groups are the ones that are calling for these attacks. Now, I'm going to remind you that we saw a video and we heard audio over the course of the last few years during riots um, that did take place across the United States of America. There were there were calls at that time for attacks to bring the whole system down, shut down the internet, take away the police. Now, federal officers are right now reviewing new uh, power grid and security station attacks across the USA from down far as south as Texas and uh, Florida, all the way up to uh, New York and Pennsylvania. One outlet reports a quote the individuals of concern believe in an attack on the electrical infrastructure will contribute to their ideological goal to cause societal collapse
1: and a race war in the United States of America.
0: That isn't some leftist organization. That's according to a memo that was obtained by the public broadcasting system in one U.S. state, taken right out of the FBI. The substation that they keep referring back to in Morton was attacked a couple of months ago. It's connected to transmission lines that deliver hydroelectric power from the Cowlitz fall Dam. They say that the energy that runs through these lines is more than 500 times the voltage that comes out of more own outlets inside of your house. Experts say it's easily lethal, uh, lethal and extremely dangerous for anyone to mess with these substations. That's likely just a uh, a mainstream ploy to get other people not to try to do this. Despite the danger, the Morton substation intruder, as he is noted in the reports, entered into the facility purposefully. He deliberately damaged known equipment. To avoid inspiring copycat crimes, we are seeing outlets omitting the details of the techniques that are used in these attacks and other similar attacks. But let me tell you, these uh, this information is easily found online. One person writes, I saw a white flash through the garage door window as an eyewitness who was across the street. They say then, the power shut off. The incident happened at 4 a.m., it took 7,500 customers offline, that is uh, most of the eastern half of the Lewis County's rural area. They were plunged into darkness for several hours. And then we saw reports come up uh, as we combed through different social media and uh, investigative journalism through the police station. That's what I'm worried about. Predators of opportunity struck.
1: They say the intruder,
0: after his deed was done, climbed back into the passenger seat of a truck, which sped off. They say it went to the north. According to other eyewitnesses, they have no further information. The incursion was the first of many attacks on the power grid in the year 2022. According to records that were obtained by reporting outlets, it's unclear if all these attacks are connected, but extremist researchers with the FBI say absolutely they are. As with most of them, no one has been arrested, and that's time for you to question why. No one has claimed responsibility, and now it's time for you to question why. Why? How are these attacks connected, with no one claiming responsibility, no one getting arrested? And the investigations apparently dropped. We have utilities outlets out there, including the Pacific Northwest, that have reported a new surge in attacks. They're delivering delivering this information directly to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Attacks on substations happened all across the Northwest. These, of course, predated December attacks in North Carolina, where 40,000 people, including a lot of our viewers and friends of the community, were without power. In some cases, they say the attacks appear to follow directly a manual that was given out online by what the FBI is calling neo-Nazi and far-right extremist white supremacist groups. Now, don't get me wrong. These groups do exist as do their extremist counterparts on the other side of the political agenda. But what we have happening can only be one of two things. It is either a people or a group of people that have been pushed across their line in the sand, and now they are acting out in ways that have no regard for the byproducts or the uh, other people that they harm, or we have events that are being perpetrated by other powers. Right now is the time for you to question those exact things. They say for years, local law enforcement has worked with academia. They've warned that plots on the nation's electrical grid are accelerating. They say that we have these groups plotting and advocating right now to take down the power grid all across the country to bring down the federal government and to start different wars. We're seeing strings of electrical grid attacks happen unresolved across the nation. A recent alert from the FBI's headquarters and the agency's Newark field office warned of a new threat, a new increase, they say, of electrical infrastructural attacks. They say these attacks are happening directly with racial and ethnically motivated violent extremists behind them. They call them RMDEs racially or ethnically-motivated violent extremists. God dang. These, they say, include people of white supremacy ideologies, accelerationists, people who are attempting to sow chaos. They say the FBI has received reports of threats to electrical infrastructure by actors who say that they are with the ideologies of these motivated extremists and their want is to create civil disorder. And to inspire violence across the country. This is starting to read like the beginning and opening scenes of a movie. Weeks later, a new bulletin was sent out by the FBI's office in Portland. This office reported specific attacks that were carried out around neighboring states. The attacks were carried out using firearms, flames, and chains. They say this was in response to an online call for attacks on critical infrastructure according to new bulletins. This is a quote. In recent attacks, criminal actors bypassed security fences by cutting the fence links, they lit nearby fires, and they shot equipment from a distance. No theft was reported in any of the cases, making it apparent that the the intent was likely to disable electrical systems and not for any sort of monetary gain. Now, a spokesperson for the FBI declined to comment on the bulletins that were obtained leaked out by their organization, but they said that all people need to begin reporting suspicious activity in and around substations immediately to local law enforcement. They say that this neo-Nazi plot to take down the grid must be stopped at all costs. They're calling these plots by these organizations to target infrastructure in the USA, and they say that these infrastructural attacks are going to increase in the next couple of years. This was a report published by the Program on Extremism at the George Washington University, saying we can expect this sort of thing to happen. The following is a quote. The rise of accelerationist ideology and doctrine during the past decade has fueled the increased risk of attacks and plots within these uh, targeting organizations critical infrastructure and the energy sector in particular. The U.S. Department of Justice has charged a couple of individuals with what they are calling tangible or discernible evidence to different groups. But none of them have been uh, charged with plots to destroy nuclear reactors, power lines, or anything else, according to the uh, FBI's own reports. Other groups, extremist organizations, are threatening electrical infrastructure in the Pacific Northwest. In a couple of years period, federal uh, prosecutors are said to have pulled in and charged with conspiracy to damage an energy facility multiple different people. They say these defendants carried out a handwritten list at a dozen uh, dozen locations in Idaho and surrounding states, uh, states that each housed a transformer, a substation, or other components of the power grid that if destroyed would cause damage to that grid itself. The goal, according to federal prosecutors, is to attack the ability to create and generate electricity for the purpose of creating chaos to provide power and an ease of which to escape in those areas in which they plan to undertake things like assassinations or other desired operations to further their goal of division. And hate. We're seeing in-depth reports examining the rise of extremism across the USA, and it's only a matter of time until some of your ideas place you within one of these groups. In 2023, excuse me, 2022, three different so-called supremacists from Wisconsin, Ohio, and Texas each pled guilty to conspiring to provide material support to terrorists, though a lot of the information between these guilty plea, uh, pleas were held uh, withheld behind closed doors. According to the Justice Department, each defendant agreed to take down different electrical substations in other areas of different country using high-powered rifles. They believe it would bring about unrest, financial ruin, and eventually a division of the people, according to prosecutors. Even though the motives behind the 2022 attacks remain unclear, they say the history of what is happening uh, has been and can be foretold. They say this history is a dangerous future for us all. We are in a real wave of domestic extremist violence right now, says Mary McCourt. Right now, this has been increasing for several years. McCord, who is a former acting attorney general for national security at the Department of Justice, who now stands as a professor at Georgetown Law School, warns this is just the beginning. In many cases, it doesn't matter to these groups who actually carries out the attacks, McCord says, because just the uh, facts that the attacks are able to take place allows them to sow the discontent and malcontent that they want. People might not want to know whether a particular attack on a power station or a power grid was part of an ideologically motivated plot, McCord says, or was it just done for criminal purposes? These organizations and others who are seeking to advance their own cause, according to McCord, for their ideological reasons, can use these causes to advance their to goals, causing chaos. Oh. undermining the government and changing general My stability. Other oh, Joshua you know. Fisher Birch, a researcher like with the counter extremism <laughs> project oh, that's that's ass, so. these groups and their online activities, says that the attacks all across the world have been energized only by people on the right side of political extremism. The recent substation attacks have been spoken about in glowing terms, they say, by members of these right, extreme so late organizations. Now where the, dog the dog ones seat who belt want to show chaos. Accelerationists, they call it. They say these accelerationists subscribe to this ideology and they want to push this chaos. Forums across the internet, they warn, provide instruction manuals for how to attack the substations, how to attack hospitals, how to take out postal services, how to do all of these different things. They aren't directly causing harm to an innocent civilian, but byproducts do cause harm. The design of the manuals online according to the reports that we have seen and the investigative journalism that we have performed invokes a uh, subculture, I would say. This subculture is a representative of what we are going to face in the future. The manuals clearly state what people should be doing. They say that these groups are becoming one with other organizations to convince individuals that what they are engaging in is nothing more than a game. Although the consequences for you and me are real, the manuals they warn place dangerous ideas inside the minds of the people who are uh, who are reading them. Now, this is literally just the beginning. When I tell you and your family that you need to go into a store like a Target or somewhere else and you need to look for the exits, I mean exactly that. Do you drive around with your phone at 15% because by the time you need your flashlight, which for probably 90% of America is the only EDC flashlight they have on them, their phone, will it be enough to get you out of the chaos if you are turned, uh, if your area is turned to darkness? People will stampede. Predators will take advantage of those moments. We see it happen in video footage across the USA where people are literally just waiting for somebody on the side of the road to hail them, a child to get lost from their family. These predators of opportunity are dangerous and they will act given any blanket of darkness or any change to the status quo of the social contract And it's because of that that you and your family need to be ready to defend yourself. You must be ready to act. You need to get out of areas that are dangerous and you need to not get caught up into things that will get you into trouble. They will continue to use political ideologies to divide the people. These attacks on our infrastructure, whether from these extremist groups or part of a larger, maybe even a false, some would say plan, these attacks will continue. At one point in time, your ideas will place you inside the radar of an extremist group. The only way to avoid this is to be continually changing with the social contract. Remember that next time you speak out with venom against a group, that is rising to power in your local, state, or regional area. That group could have uh, to deal with people's identities. They could have to deal with anything happening at a, at a grocery or a uh, store level. The bathrooms that they choose to place up, doesn't matter what it is. Part of being a gray man and a gray woman is camouflage in the open. Seen but unseen. You're just another one of us please everyone be prepared for this chaos these dangerous groups do exist and they exist on both sides of the spectrum what you have to be ready for is for what happens when what they do affects you or when these false plan events take place how many of your family your groups or your friends will be caught up in the aftermath a special thank you to each one of you for being here with us. To all of our members on Patreon, make sure you check back here on YouTube at Full Spectrum Survival Tomorrow for another video. If you're interested in long-term food storage, check out nutrientsurvival.com forward slash FSS. It's real long-term food storage that they have worked hard to keep all the nutrients inside of. Use the code FSS15, and you're going to get 15% off. If you're interested in antibiotics from real doctors and real pharmacies, check out contingencymedical.com, and use the code FSS10 there to get a discount. Most of all, remain aware of what is happening, and shape yourself
1: accordingly. Stay safe, everyone. has no charisma and no ideas. He race baits and engages in asinine culture war because as he sees it, the only thing he can do is troll the white media for attention. So he does the most outrageous and illegal things he can so he can get on Tucker Carlson. But that's not a political strategy. It's desperate tactics. The people who like him can only tell you that he's fighting woke, but they can't even tell you what woke is. And the one idiot who's been saying the word woke the most, Christopher Rufo. He even had to admit that he had to redefine what critical race theory was just so he could oppose it. Now, Rufo has already moved on from Florida, by the way, and he's now doing his asinine culture war grift in other states. There was no way he could stay in Florida. After all, DeSantis, in his insecurity and foolishness, decided to take the whole anti-woke thing to the ultimate extreme, and it failed. All his agitprop prompt laws, quote-unquote, like the so-called Stop Woke Act, have been struck down by the courts. And he knew they all would be. DeSantis' objective isn't to actually change anything. His goal is just to get as much white media attention as possible. He'd set himself on fire if he thought that would work. To him, he thinks being on TV means that he'll become the frontrunner for 2024. Now, this is stupid on its face because history has shown that the people who emerge as the early frontrunners in the presidential primaries almost always flame out and have to drop out first. In 2004, Howard Dean was the front runner and then John Kerry got the nomination. 2008, Hillary Clinton got the early primary wins, but then Obama came from behind and got the nomination. And on the general in 2008, Mitt Romney was seen as the front runner, but it was Mike Huckabee who got the early electoral victories, but ultimately John McCain who got the nomination. See how that worked? 2012 was an anomaly in that Mitt Romney was the only person who had any traction that year for the GOP, but he didn't get it by being a half-brained culture warrior like DeSantis. 2016, we all know that there were a bunch of would-be frontrunners in the GOP field, Ted Cruz, Mark Rubio, but most of all, Jeb Bush. And then Donald Trump came down from Mars and knocked them all out of the box. And on the Democratic side, Bernie Sanders was the frontrunner. But the nomination was handed to Hillary Clinton. And in 2020, Kamala Harris was the first one to announce her candidacy for president. And she was also among the first to drop out of the race, too. Bernie Sanders was the early frontrunner once again, winning those early primaries with Pete Buttigieg a close second. But then the wrinkled-up racist Jim Crow Joe Biden came from behind and got the nomination and ultimately the presidency. So the track record on presidential races is clear. The history, undeniable. But considering that Ron DeSantis has banned history books in his state, it makes sense that he doesn't know anything about history. As the old saying goes, those who don't learn from history are forced to repeat it. Ron DeSantis is so desperate you can smell it on him, and it stinks. He's the political equivalent of a pick me, pick me, he'll do anything to get chosen. But he knows that he doesn't have any real pull. It's part of the reason why he hasn't announced his candidacy as yet. Because he's scared of Donald Trump, and he should be. Ron DeSantis is a fool. He's just smart enough to be able to read a teleprompter, and just dumb enough to think that he could actually become president. The white supremacist trash cheering him on, they just want a sugar rush. Someone who makes them feel like they're better than. They see a world where the truth is threatening to become the norm, and they want someone, anyone, to tell them that the world is still flat, and that they'll stop change from happening. And if they can't stop change, then at least give the middle finger to all these black people who are out here causing all this trouble. Of course, the joke is on these racist rubes. By supporting DeSantis' bigoted nonsense, they've sent him the clear message that he doesn't have to do anything for them and they'll still vote for him anyway. Because they're not voting for DeSantis, they're voting for his racist antics. They feel that after a few years of hearing black as part of the national political discussion, They want someone who will give the black community the middle finger. Problem with that is giving people you don't like the middle finger isn't a policy. It accomplishes nothing. DeSantis has no educational policy other than ban history books and don't mention race. He has no health care policy at all. As we saw last year, when it comes to hurricanes, he has no policy and no clue. There he was, standing in the ruins of what used to be a neighborhood, and when he was asked why he wasn't prepared for this, considering that Florida has hurricanes every single year without exception, he was like a deer caught in headlights. All he knows how to say is critical race theory and stop woke. People like Christopher Rufo have conditioned and programmed this monkey so that the only thing he does is he tries to turn every situation into a chance to shoehorn in his pre-canned talking points about critical race theory and stop woke. Problem is when it comes to an act of nature, all of his anti-black talking points don't apply. He seriously thinks that he's gonna run against black people to get the presidency. He doesn't want to be president, he wants to be the darling of Fox News. But the vile racism is entertainment that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingraham do only plays to elderly and middle-aged racists who are already engaged and on board with the White Supersis program. When you go on Fox News, you're preaching to the choir. Trump did that. But, as he found out, it didn't work in 2020 because there was someone on the ballot other than Hillary Clinton. Running solely to your own political base only works if the other party's voters are depressed about who they have to vote for and their morale is low. Or it works if your voter base is far larger than your opponent. That's not the case for the GOP. That's the reason why the higher the voter turnout during an election, the lower the Republicans' chances are of winning. Ron DeSantis doesn't come off as the candidate of traditional anything. He comes off as an attention whore who now has a permanent reputation for being a racist right-wing culture warrior. The white supremacist think tanks who sent up those staged parental protests at those school boards, they don't realize that their astroturf performances only play to small segments of blood-red GOP states. Florida's GOP are particularly corrupt and vile. They wrote into law that the governor can fire any state employee or any state office holder, even elected representatives. That means there's no independent government there. The entire state is simply under the governor's thumb. Now this game only works until a Democrat takes office. Then you can bet the GOP legislature will rush a bill through the legislature to repeal that particular law before the Democrats can use it against them. Make no mistake. The culture war only works in a handful of hard right wing GOP states that was the lesson to the 2022 midterms the GOP ran on critical race theory transgender bathrooms and performative extremism. And they got stopped democrats, on the other hand, ran on abortion, they understood that no matter what the rhetoric from the white right or these white conservative areas those people still want sexual license with no responsibilities or consequences and that would be a bipartisan-winning issue for them. Most right-wing Republicans are racist, but they're also sexually loose as a hedonist from the Middle Ages. In their social circles, they will publicly claim to be against abortion, but at least half of them have had one, and when it comes time to vote, they still want the ability to get it. In this regard, Democrats, in spite of themselves, are practical. This is not to mean that we should favor abortion. I certainly don't. My point is you have to be honest with yourself about the political realities, how the electorate actually views things, because there's a huge difference between what people claim they want as opposed to what they actually do when it comes time to make a decision. Dissent is as race-baiting will do nothing other than get support from the same old handful of racists who watch Fox News. In other words, he'll win the support of people who are already going to vote for him anyway. In order to overcome Biden, he's going to need to grow the size of his voter base. And that means he's going to need to swing those so-called moderate voters, read casual racists, to his side. But suburbanites know that his phony hysteria over race <laughs> theory is a lie. And while they don't like transgender bathrooms, they also know that there's only a handful of places where that's even an issue. These culture war issues the GOP is trying to run on may be extremely important to the white supremacists who run these right-wing think tanks. But these straw man issues and these moral panics that the Republicans keep trying simply don't matter to swing voters because they don't deal with these issues on a daily basis. And the people the GOP is hoping to persuade with their scaremongering aren't going for it, not in the numbers they need. You can only lie so much before people stop listening. If it didn't work in 2022 with record high inflation and a mumbling goofball as president, then that means it won't work. But the GOP has to keep doing it because, frankly, they don't have any other strategy. All they can do is the same thing, just more of it. This is what happens when you try to live inside a bubble. You take refuge inside of a white media bubble and then furnish it with lies from Fox News and right-wing hate radio. Before long, you've brainwashed yourself into thinking the entire world agrees with you. Oh, they favor all of that stuff. They don't like black people. They hate anything about black people. They're just too scared to say it. When they go into the voting booth though, they're gonna do differently. That's what they keep telling themselves. That's what they told themselves in 2008 when Barack Obama was running. And they were streaming it from the rooftops in 2012. That is until he won reelection. What DeSantis does doesn't attract supporters. Instead it drives them away. His extremist stunts are a turnoff to the very white suburban women in the rest of the country that he needs support from. Talk about failing to read the room. DeSantis' reputation before he got to Congress was a right-of-center functionary whose positions were mostly in line with GOP orthodoxy. But DeSantis knew years ago that he wanted to try to make a run for the presidency and throw his Burger King crown into the ring. He also knew that nobody likes him. Nobody sees him as a leader, and nobody thinks he has any ideas. He doesn't have the personality or the policy proposals to make anyone think that he's somebody who should be in a leadership position. So he decided that what he had to do was try to separate himself from the rest of the Republican field. And how do you do that? Be as over-the-top extremist as possible. So he objected to New York receiving any disaster money when the state was hit by a tropical storm. To him, it's all about going over the top. Surely he's the most extreme. Never mind that all these extremist stunts will come back to haunt him when it comes time to run against a real competitor. Keep in mind, he barely managed to beat Andrew Gillum, and this in a state that's been trending Republican. And considering the fact that Andrew Gillum is hardly stiff competition, it says a lot about how popular DeSantis is not, even in his own state. He got more support in 2022, but that was because he was up against Charlie Crist who is about the only politician in Florida who has less support than DeSantis. Now, here's another question. What will happen to this stupid nobody if and when Donald Trump announces that he's gonna run for president again in 2024? The white right base knows that nothing, absolutely nothing would enrage the white left more than Donald Trump successfully retaking the White House. And since the GOP's entire policy platform is own the libs and performative extremism, Making Trump president again would appeal to a lot of them, enough where it robs DeSantis of the support that he desperately needs. DeSantis has not won any battles. Nobody outside of Florida is enthused about him. Even Fox News isn't gushing over him. His support, such as it is in GOP circles, comes from white supremacists who are amused by his racist antics and the Never Trump crowd who just want to make sure Donald Trump doesn't regain the presidency next year because they know that if he does, there will be hell to pay. Problem is, there's nowhere near enough racist DeSantis fanboys to make him president in and of himself, and the Never Trumpers aren't going to jump on his bandwagon because he's already branded himself as Trump without the profanity and vulgar statements. The Never Trumpers recognize this as a distinction without a difference. And it makes DeSantis unelectable in their eyes. But DeSantis can't tone down the rhetoric. He can't even moderate it. He has no ideas, no charisma, and no force of personality. Being a Twitter troll in the governor's mansion is the only trick he knows. It's all he's got. He doesn't have a plan B. And even if he did, he wouldn't be smart enough to execute it. When you run for the presidency, you have to gather a solid amount of the political center. Problem is, DeSantis has staked out territory so far to the right, the only way you can vote for him is if you already agree with his extremist views. That means he won't be persuading anyone, he'll be preaching to the choir. DeSantis failed to learn the lesson of 2016, if only he wasn't an illiterate moron, he would actually be able to read a history book. And he'd know the lesson of 2016 was that Trump ran against a candidate who didn't have support from her own democratic base. Hillary Clinton was a candidate of the white media and the Democratic establishment. She made their hearts go pitter-pat, but not the voters. If there had been anyone else on the ballot other than Hillary Clinton in 2016, Trump would have lost. That's what the takeaway from 2016 was, and that's why he lost in 2020. Instead of galvanizing his own supporters, all Trump did was to galvanize his opponents instead. The GOP had already reached peak right wingnut support. They've already mobilized 100% of their base. They can't galvanize any more of them at this point. They need to start appealing to people outside of the party, but the GOP has gone so far to the right, they've fallen off a cliff. Appealing to non-right wing nuts is impossible for them because their party has declared that anyone to the left of Nixon is a communist. That stop-woke nonsense DeSantis spouse won't help him because neither Ukraine nor the economy nor anything else that people actually care about or vote for has anything to do with critical race theory or transgender bathrooms. The same way that he was utterly lost when he was asked about his failed response to the hurricane last year is the same way that he'll be lost when he's asked what he's going to actually do for America. Ron DeSantis has told himself that Florida is America. He couldn't be more wrong, and by making himself such an obnoxious target, there will be a lot of people who can't wait to go to the polls and vote for someone else. He is known, but he's not popular. Nobody's champing at the bit to vote for DeSantis. Even the white supremacists who claim to love him only love the stunts that he pulls. The voters who are motivated to vote against DeSantis far outnumber the ones who applaud his antics. You see, what DeSantis is doing right now is a mistake. One that Barack Obama was very careful not to make. Obama's top priority was not to mobilize the white-right voters to turn out against him. So he attacked the black community, he made sure to make the right noises in public, and the GOP's base could never get a full head of steam about voting him out, no matter how much race-baiting the GOP did against him. Obama understood how important it was not to galvanize the GOP base to move against him, though that was about the only thing he understood. Democrats want DeSantis to run because he's an empty suit, his own track record will damage him enough to guarantee that only a miracle can get him into the White House. He's a brain dead meat puppet for the far right think tanks like the Manhattan Institute. He may win the news cycle on Fox News, but you don't win elections on Tucker Carlson, otherwise Trump would still be in office and the GOP would control both houses of Congress. But that's not to say that DeSantis isn't serving a purpose for the Democrats. They're determined not to do anything for black people, and they need a new boogeyman who they can use to get us to vote for them without demanding anything in return. The demands that black people have been making are threatening white primacy. and Democrats have to put a lid on it somehow. They are, after all, part of the same political machine as the Republicans. They certainly work for the exact same shadowy political forces. So allowing DeSantis to run around and openly engage in all of this anti-black race baiting is the Democrats' way of helping to make that part of the political landscape. And then the Democrats will turn around and lie through their teeth and say, why, we can't do anything for you niggers. I mean, look at Ron DeSantis. Look at all this support he's got. Uh, he's only got support from a small handful of right-wing wolves. Yeah, but, but you know, they're cheering him pretty loudly, though, and uh, we just can't do anything. He's too popular, too popular. You guys understand, you're going to lose us elections. Look at DeSantis. He won re-election. You guys are going to lose us elections. That's a lie. They know it's a lie, but these are the talking points they have to hide behind. Hiding behind DeSantis is a good way for the Democrats to give themselves permission to ignore Black people, or at least use him as a talking point. Because when the Supreme Court reversed Roe v. Wade, Democrats began a series of statewide referendums to legalize abortion, and they did it in red states. They did it that way for a reason. They used statewide referendums to circumvent the GOP-controlled legislatures. So the Democrats mobilized for something that would benefit mostly white women. And all it took was for Clarence Thomas to brag that now that abortion was reversed, it was time to take a look at reversing the gay marriage decision. And the Democrats went on full alert and they got a gay marriage law passed with Republican support. And they were able to get this done immediately, just a couple of weeks after the 2022 midterms. Oh, it was supposed to be so rancorous, so divisive, so polarized the Congress is supposed to be. And yet they instantly were able to get that law passed through so smoothly. Heck, even the white media didn't even know that that thing was so close to passing. What it tells me is Democrats and Republicans had already agreed long before, probably as early as the spring, that they were going to pass that law and that they were going to do it right after the election. Please don't kid yourself that it just worked out that way. Keep in mind, at least eight GOP senators went along with it. They voted for it. This thing had bipartisan support. And why do you think that is? A lot of politicians in the GOP are LGBT. There's a lot of closeted people in that party. And that's why so many of them were willing to support it after the election. They didn't want to have to pay a political price for supporting it before the election. You can just tell this was a political deal that got worked out. They already agreed to this long before the 2022 midterms. They just wanted to make sure that the Republicans wouldn't have to pay a political price by passing it before the election. So as soon as the election was over with, okay, let's go ahead and pass this thing now. That's what they do for everybody else. Yet when it comes to anything that may even remotely seem like it's beneficial to black people, like say the George Floyd Policing Act, you can say what you want about it, but at the very least, just as a piece of show legislation, there would have been no harm in passing it. And yet, The Democrats said they just couldn't get it done. And they were the majority in the House and the Senate. Can't get a hate crimes law passed until they made it specific to Asians. Then they could get it passed. You can tell when Democrats really want something to get done because they do it. These other constituencies are threatened and Democrats organize and mobilize to protect them. Black people, on the other hand, are attacked or threatened and Democrats claim they just can't find the votes. And this when they're the majority of both the House and the Senate. You would think that after all of this nonsense DeSantis is doing, that you would have Democrats running around doing counter-legislation. Deciding that it's time to go ahead and start taking aim at things that conservatives are concerned about. Symbols of the right-wing lunatics. Because that's how politics is supposed to work. If your political opponents write laws that are meant to target your constituents or their interests, then you write counter-legislation that's meant to target theirs. The Democrats aren't doing anything about DeSantis or any of this other anti-black racism because as they see it, what the GOP is doing is helpful to the Democrats own goal of making sure that black demands never turn into tangible results. Let's understand what's happening here, family, and why. DeSantis is running his mouth and trying to be the poster board for anti-black racism, but I think that what he's going to find out is that before it's all over, It's black people who are going to get the last word. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Lisa Cabrera, Wesley Monroe, Eric Bailey, Chaz, and B-Day. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, AI, always incorrect that they use these algorithms, have been weaponized against melanated people, just like everything else in this country is weaponized against us. Well, this is just one more thing. And if you notice, the algorithm lawsuits are cropping up now. All right. They're cropping up. People are filing lawsuits because it's not like the AI is picking out a bunch of different groups across the board. It's consistently just us melanated people that it keeps doing something against. So there's one more thing that we need to discuss, ladies and gentlemen. So I would like to thank Adrian Thomas, one of my subscribers for this story. Algorithms allegedly penalize black renters. The US government is watching. Yeah, they're watching because the lawsuits are coming now. So when they're doing something, see they, are now hiding their racism behind the algorithm. And then you got some idiots out here talking about how can an algorithm be racist? It's racist. If the person that programmed it, put their biases into the program itself. These things are not hard to figure out. Ha, IQ. So let's move on. So Black men and women are submitting applications for rental units, whether it's apartments or it's a home. And a lot of these landlords are now heavily using AI and the AI is ruling out black men and women that are attempting to rent. All right, y'all, let's get into this. So Mary Lewis submitted an application to rent an apartment at Granada Highlands in Malden, Massachusetts. She liked the unit. So the unit was a two full bathrooms. There was a pool on the premise, and, and these were things she really liked but the landlord ended up denying her application allegedly due to an assigned score that um, she had by a tenant when they screened the algorithm. So apparently they went to look in something called safe rent, and she was flagged on there. So Lewis responded with references to approve 16 years of punctual rent payments to no avail. So this landlord wasn't bending. They were going according to what they saw out there. And this was what the algorithm um, made out there on this woman. And she had no bad track record in paying her rent. So it, it also proves you can use an algorithm against a group of people. And it's very easy to do because we know what's happening. So, you know, no matter what she provided, this landlord didn't want to hear it. So instead, she took a different apartment that cost $200 more a month in an area with a high crime rate but a class action filed by Lewis and others last May argues that safe rent scores based in part on information in a credit report amounted to discrimination against black and Hispanic renters in violation of the Fair Housing Act. The groundbreaking legislation prohibits discrimination based on race, disability, religion, or nationality origin, and it was passed in 1968 by Congress a week after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. The case is still pending, but the U.S. Department of Justice last week used a brief file with the court to send a warning to landlords and makers of the tenant screening algorithms, Safe Rent had argued that the algorithms used to screen tenants aren't subject to the Fair Housing Act because it scores only buys landlords and don't make decisions. But yes, it is actually making a decision if you are telling the landlord that a woman that was punctual on all of her rent payments, that she is a risk that it is making decisions. So housing providers and tenant screening companies use algorithms and data to screen tenants are not absolved from the liability when their practice disproportionately deny people of color access to fair housing opportunities. The Department of Justice Civil Rights Division leader, Christian Clark, said in a statement, like many areas of business and government algorithms that assign scores to people have become more common in the housing industry, but although claim to improve. um, So what they're trying to say, it improves the efficacy and identity, better tenants, well, it shouldn't be doing that. It should not be doing it. An algorithm should not be determining who's a better tenant. And it's all coded up to discriminate. And that's what we're seeing all across the board with algorithms. So. Ladies and gentlemen, tenant screening algorithms could be uh, contributing to historically persistent housing discrimination despite decades of civil rights laws. A 2021 study by the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research that used bots using names associated with different groups to apply to more than 8,000 landlords found significant discrimination against renters of color. So why are you... No, see, now they can hide behind the algorithm instead of saying, no, I wasn't being racist. Oh, no, I was not being racist. This is what the algorithm showed. See, this is a way out. For the actual races. That's what AI is. So, and they said partly African Americans are the main ones being discriminated by the algorithms that landlords are using. Well, I'm glad people are smartening up. And they are getting these lawsuits going over these algorithms. So, you know, if nothing else, get paid for all of your trouble. It's a relief that this is being taken seriously. There is an understanding that algorithms aren't inherently neutral or objective and deserve the same level of scrutiny as human decision makers, says Michelle Gilman a law professor at the University of Baltimore and former civil rights lawyer at the Department of Justice. And I agree with what she said, If you're gonna put humans under scrutiny for discrimination and you got an algorithm that's doing the same thing. Yes, no, you, you should not be exempt because you used an algorithm. A 2020 investigation by the Markup. Pro-Republica found that tenant screening algorithms often encounter obstacles like mistaken identity. You know, how come mistaken identity primarily happens to black men and women more than anyone else? Or the algorithm, don't pick up your skin. The, the, the you know, we're different hues and it doesn't pick it up or it picks up a white person, but it does not pick up uh, someone that's melanating. Yeah, I mean, these things are deliberately being done in the algorithm by the person that created it. Trust me, y'all, they're told to do this stuff. When you see it too much, they're being told to program these algorithms like this they're being told to do this, y'all. If it was one case of it, or maybe a few here and there, okay. But when you start seeing this across the board, they're being told to do this to the algorithm. They're not fooling anybody. A second case against safe rent under the Fair Housing Act concluded in federal court in Connecticut in November and awaits a judge's decision It was brought by Carmen Arroyo and others who said that the company crime safe algorithm deemed a shoplifting charge that was later dropped disqualifying leading to a request for her disabled son who was unable to speak or walk to be denied. The case alleged the system discriminated based on disability, national origin, and race. In response to the brief filed by the DOJ and HUD, they're saying that the company aimed to supply property managers and landlords with predictions to help them make good decisions. Well, if the algorithm is clearly discriminating based on race, you can't make a good decision. Right there, by default, it can't make a good decision. It's not possible, but does not itself make housing decisions. Well, if landlords are using this as a tool to decide whether to take a tenant tenant or not, that's exactly what the algorithm is doing. So whether you get into a location or not to rent. If that landlord is heavily depending on the algorithm, then the algorithm is technically making the decision. So the safe rent is just trying to say, oh, no, 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 oh, you know, the final decision is the landlord. But if you are putting in there um, any type of coded information about that person, You are essentially making that decision. I I don't see how it's viewed any other way. The Department of Justice intervention in the safe rent case is one part of recent efforts by the US government to enforce civil rights law on algorithms that make important decisions about people's lives. On the same day, the department announced terms of a settlement agreement with Meta for selling ads that allegedly violated the Fair Housing Act. The company has developed a system to reduce discrimination in Facebook ads and will remain under federal government supervision until 2026. So I'm I'm not concerned about Facebook. I'm not even on Facebook. So I am not concerned about that at all. But I mean, it's good that the DOJ is looking at it, but it's not good in a sense because they're not about making changes. And that's one thing I don't see here. There should be penalties for any company that is using AI and AI is openly discriminating or targeting uh, people in the Black community, there should be fines and penalties, or they should be made to take the AI down until it is fixed. As long as there are not any hard consequences for these businesses and government organizations and everybody that decided to use algorithms, it's gonna keep happening. Right now, there's not enough consequences. That's why they're not changing it. And until your politicians, this is their job. I mean, it's not enough for the DOJ to get involved the a bill must be passed saying they can't use algorithms in discriminatory ways. If they're not willing to take that step, nothing is going to change. Y'all please tell me what you think about this story. Please leave your comment and subscribe. Don't forget to hit on the notification bell. And I'll see you on the next video. Peace, family.